You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, everybody. It's so weird having to start the show out. I love when uh, Jordan starts it for us, but welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Saturday morning. Hey. As you can see, we have a special guest, a recurring guest that we have here. Uh, Jordan will be out today, although I bet he uh, types in some messages here or there. Uh, but we have Danimo DM joining us once again um my personal no he's a dungeon master for many people not just me <laughs> but definitely uh dungeon master runs a game that we run on tuesday nights over on his channel and uh, we'll talk about that in the show but he's going to be here just kind of taking over and we're going to do the regular old format here in saturday morning DD show so i hope you're ready he's in australia so he woke up super early for us for all australian people so that's nice uh how you been doing? Well, how's how's the day going? Uh, yeah, it's uh, going all right. Um, I've been awake for about forty minutes. Forty and minutes. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, yeah, things have been uh, things have been great on my end. I've been having. I had a lovely day today so far. Nothing bad has gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Somebody yeah. saying in chat, "Hey, it's the famous animal." I agree. It's the famous animal. <laughs> Now is it so? It's winter here. We were just talking about weather just a tiny bit before we jumped on. Uh, I'm in yeah. the middle, of, or we're at the start of our winter. Probably got a couple months, and then we'll start to ease into spring. What's the what? What are we in in Australia? Same thing, different. Um, in Australia, we're currently in. If yeah, if you view it the way that a lot of us do, we're currently in the second month of five months of summer, and um, technically summer is supposed to end in February, but it doesn't. Uh, it, it is starting to get hot, although we've had a pretty cold summer so far because of, uh, I believe El Nina has, uh, oh. has hit us with a cold wave over Christmas. So it normally gets, oh, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. It normally gets over 40 degrees Celsius regularly, but, um, we've, we've only hit that like once or twice so far. So it's been a pretty mild one, but it's looking like it's going to heat up, uh, in mid Feb. So we'll see how we go. All right. Well, that's good. I'm ready for it. I want to get back outside once again for us. Now, do you get, even though it's winter where you're at, I mean, it can be very different in Australia depending where you're at. Do you get a lot of snow or no snow near you? You guys got to drive to find snow. Um, it very, very rarely naturally snows okay. in, in any places. There's a couple of ski places where, where they're up high. Mm -hmm. And I hear that even Hobart, the very bottom in Tasmania, um gets some snow but generally speaking it doesn't even get anywhere near the yeah. temperatures <laughs> like I, I talk regularly with some of the other players mm -hmm. and i look and like our temperatures never really dip below zero celsius mm -hmm. and for you guys uh the other day logan where logan was was negative 20 something in my <laughs> yeah. degrees and i'm like no yeah that's way too cold <laughs> that's what it is here right now super cold so all right well this is a DD &D show so we'll jump to DD. always like yeah. to hear uh, what it's like where your players are where your dungeon masters are um so we'll start with our news and really the big news is our our books that are coming out which is the gift set but everybody's been talking about the monsters of the multiverse the the book that's going to have all the changes in it. Um, there is a video out now out on the Dungeons and Dragons website. They've uh, uh, not Chris Perkins, but um, Jeremy Crawford has yeah. put up a video. They've kind of 
feels like they've come back from their winter break, come back from their holiday break, and they are now starting to put out small videos again and doing their little things because their channel's been kind of light of content as of late. But they talked about the, you know, 33 playable races. Mm -hmm. They went back and did a deeper lore on goblins where they talk about what happened before what we know as the Forgotten Realm goblins where they started to worship um, a certain god. And I know if Lord, uh, Jordan was here, he'd remember the name. But they also talk about what happened before that, goblins of different areas or places, before that god had inter interfered with them or affected them in some way. So I want to say it starts with an M. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I, the only thing in my head is like Ubliex, but that's like the, the not the one. He just did a... In, Zygmuntoy? Zygmuntoy? Zygmuntoy. That was Jordan's <laughs> latest one. That one's in my head, too. I was just like, oh, that's such a cool name for a, I'm gonna, for if, a cool guy. I'm going to say Magoobliet or something. Yeah, something like God. that. Somebody in chat will remember. Yeah, Magoobliet. Yeah. Somebody typed it in. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. good. Was good close. job. That's close. <laughs> <laughs> so... What do you think about what you've been hearing? Because we've just seen rumors. We've seen other videos. Maybe yeah. you've seen other people do. We haven't got the books in our hands yet because you can't get it till March if you're going to buy it separate. And it's yeah. not on D&D uh, &D Beyond, is it? Because you're a big D&D Beyond customer. Yeah. So it's uh, it's actually not out till like May 17th. It's March for the Critical Role book. It's, oh, that's right. Um, it's, it's a whole like three and a half months until we get access to it on that's D &D crazy Beyond, which i uh, like i get from a from a marketing perspective but it still bums me out yeah but anyway i'm very excited for it as are all my players who have heard about oh the new race changes can they be active now we've seen images from the book because <laughs> yeah. uh i've got i've got a bunch of people that are playing a lot of the change races like um I've got a uh, Air Genasi and a um, oh, yeah. Deep Gnome. Like, they get some really nice changes. Um, mm -hmm. The biggest change that um, a lot of my players have been talking about is the ability to cast any spell that they learn from the class with spell slots. Right. And so that means, like, if you pick the Gistherai, you can mm -hmm. have shield. No matter, you could be a cleric with shield if you're a cleric gets the right. Use whatever spell slots you got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know that a uh, certain <clears> player <throat> is a little bit bummed out at the perspective of his speed uh, dropping from 50 flying down to 30 flying. <laughs> that guy complains too much, though. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I think that's. I, I think it's okay if you're going to put it in line uh with because i think my walking speed was 25 and i think that yeah. just bumps to 30 and if yeah, people swim it's... speed fly speed walk speed wall crawl speed is 30 i think that's yeah. pretty good did they do it to the tabaxi then too because i felt like the yep. tabaxi was yeah yeah every creature with a swimming flying or climbing speed according to the people who have been uh, revealing Looking, the changes yeah. they're all equalized to your walking speed which means if you have anything that increases your walking speed it also increases those speeds so that's nice yeah uh, yeah, I, I do find it interesting how it almost seems like they're trying to stabilize all the races. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that. Like, every single race um, that has a unarmed strike a playable. ability... Yeah, sorry, playable race. Yeah. Every single one that has a uh, unarmed strike ability is now a D6 plus strength, generically. Yeah. When they, there was, like, some that plus con, some that were a D4. Yeah, and... it, it probably makes sense when you start to look at your rules bloat over the amount of books you have. And then you start to think about, okay, what about a new player that's coming in? Do you as a DM hand them the book and say, okay, here's 33 races to pick from. They all have different walk speeds. They all have different this, they yeah. all have different rules. That might be a little bit overwhelming where if, 
you start to put some things that are the same. You sacrifice maybe some of these races having a flavor that's to their own and makes them stand out, but it mm-hmm. does make it easier for that new player to come in and say, okay, well, speeds are the same, certain types of damages are the same. I only need a D6 for this. I don't have to have all kinds of wonky yeah. dice for it. And, and then, then yeah. nobody wants to step on a D4. Nobody wants it. <laughs> That's why it should be more damage. D4 is always crit, you know, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, in, in my home game, Caltrops are D4s. D4s, perfect. Them on the, ground. <laughs> um, the thing that I did find interesting is uh, there's two playable races that have magical resistance. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the Sata and the Yuan-T. And they've now specified with magical resistance. I don't know if this is going to be across the board with monsters or not. That it only relates to spells. You know how it used to be magical effects, effects as well. Yeah. And then yeah. there would be the discussion. Okay, is what's your a magical arrow? Effect? A magical effect <laughs> is stunning strike. A magical effect is yeah. this. A mag- it's it's like. I assume they've done that in a way where it just makes things easier. Where like, is this literally a spell? Did it, mm-hmm. is, is it a spell? No, then don't worry about it. Yeah, you, I always thought they should that. just change that to instead of saying magic resistant, spell resistance. And that mm-hmm. way, if it was a spell written in the book for any of those lists, it counts. If it's not a spell written in a book, then mm-hmm. then something else weird is going on. <laughs> I'm also really digging the uh, the. Uh, what's, it, what's it called the um proficiency bonus application yeah. across the board like with abilities and with like the asmr used to be um if you remember with uh vanguard mm-hmm. you used to be able to heal somebody for your level now it's your um proficiency bonus times d4 oh, interesting so I must miss if, that you, one. if you were um if you're a level one you can heal somebody for 2d4 and then if you level five for three D four, and I I dig that it makes it a bit more random and mm-hmm. a little bit more powerful earlier on. Yeah, yeah, I did but, like uh, ASMR. The big ones that I've seen that changes that really interest me are kind of the Genasi for sure. Um, I love some of the changes they did there. Agreed. But thirty three playable races—that's really crazy to think of, and that's not including the ones that show up in the player's handbook. Um, I don't know if that's even the total number of races outside of the player's handbook. There still might be some in other books not oh, represented yeah, there, maybe? Yeah, there's a bunch that are from, like, uh, Magic the Gathering that are. Oh, okay, so th- that makes like, sense. Um, uh, I don't think there's Minotaurs or Centaurs. I don't think there's Leonin. Okay, so yeah, um, those would come from. Seda made it, though, from Theros. Yeah interesting so okay well cool that's coming out um well you can buy it if you're going to buy the three box set i'm pretty sure i saw that on the shelf already you just have to shell out money for probably maybe two books you've already bought um i mean and then get the third yet. one you know <laughs> so if maybe you haven't you bought do. them yet it's a great deal yeah. but if you have which is a lot of players because everyone was loving tasha's and yeah, xanathar's has always been the the, right the, on the shelf. best player book. yeah <laughs> They do have new alternate covers. So if you're a collector of the different types of artworks or cover works, there's the standard set that has the black and red binding. But they also have a white slipcase one that looked really nice. I thought it was really cool. So that's the big thing. That's all we've heard. We've still not gotten a hint of what the next, besides the Critical Role Nether Deep book, what's after that for Wizards of the Coast, what's their next yeah. one that's non-Critical Role version based so i'm waiting to hear about that um but 
not only did are they doing the, that book that comes out in uh, March, but they, the show just released. Vox Machina's show just hit Amazon. You can watch, the, I believe, the first three episodes if you have yep. the um, the subscription right. to Amazon. I feel like some people got to watch it early. Maybe they were Kickstarter people? Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, Luke from... Uh, Luke said he watched three of them. And I was like, yeah, how? I, was, I couldn't I was tell yesterday. I excited. <laughs> I got dinner ready. I was going to sit down and watch them, and they weren't there. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, maybe he backed it. I yeah, maybe it was it a Kickstarter back. backers could watch it. You. Uh, so we were talking just a little bit before the show on it. You've watched one episode. I've watched the three so far. Mm. Uh, we are going to do spoilers here. This show has always been spoilers. So if you don't want spoilers on that show and you missed the campaign watching it live, because I remember watching this part of the campaign live, the part there they talk about in the show and I'm going to watch the show. So it's kind of, you already have spoilers. If you, if you understand critical role, um, Wait, there's a character named Grog. Yeah. What? What's happening? <laughs> but, uh, first impressions, um, I'll, I'll mm -hmm. jump, I'll jump in a little bit. Two things surprised me. Um, one, I really didn't realize it wasn't for kids or at least a younger audience. Um, we, and I guess in my mind, and I don't know what told me this because I watched the, the campaign and, you know, they've had some adult jokes in there and they've done some stuff, but it never dawned on me the level they took it here so far in the show. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily let my kids watch. I don't know. I don't even know what age I'd let them watch it. Maybe 13, 15, 27. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, like, I, I could have, I could have used that advice about 24 hours ago. Yes. Um, because yeah, uh, we were all excited. My, my kids play D and D and, uh, my, my, uh, daughter is in love with, uh, Jester from campaign two. Mm -hmm. Uh, the whole concept of Jester, uh, she loves, but it is the show, the, the critical role things. They're definitely not, super kid friendly like there's times where it's fine but there's definitely times where it's not but anyway the three kids my three kids were very excited to be watching an animated dnd show and very quickly like it looked cool Shoot and out of the super room. gory <laughs> yeah and like my kids are okay with gory and you know they've played mm -hmm. video games and they've watched other things like we're currently diving through all the x-men movies uh but um yeah the gore we were fine with but then that tavern scene with scanlan and the uh <laughs> and the tavern owner's daughter, daughter yeah and, i mean like at the beginning <laughs> as soon as she appeared we're like okay everybody out and <laughs> yeah. then they walked out just before it cut back if you remember right. the scene when they oh, got yeah. back to him. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that was good timing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely an adult audience. I, I guess I should explain that too. Like in some countries, the thing that's a little bit more taboo in shows is violence. Whereas mm -hmm. you can have some nudity or they can have some talk about um, uh, sex isn't as yeah. big a deal. So like, I'm thinking like Britain and that is they, they don't care as much or they hadn't back in the day about the nudity part or that sure. kind of piece, but the violence was a big deal for putting on their screen. And that could all have changed by now. In America, it's it always different. had been violent. You could have violence to the extreme on TV mm. shows, but it was the minute you had any type of impropriety as far as nudity or you know of a sexual nature, that was all shut down, right? So, and that, make, okay, that's how we are. So Australia sounds then similar to us in that way, where violence yeah, is okay. Like, 
Well, that's definitely my area. Like, yeah, okay. it, it, depends on, it depends on where, you, uh, like, okay. who you are. Like, everyone has different sensibilities yeah. and whatnot. I do, <laughs> I do know that in Australia, things that are often R-rated for you aren't R-rated for us. So yeah. I think we're a little bit more relaxed. Like, I remember, oh, that's our kids. You won't be able to see it. And then we find out that it's actually MA here. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. We're good. Yeah. All right. Well, so it's different. So it could be different in whatever country you might be living in. Yes. Um, so to us, there are some, you know, scenes where they get a little rowdy. Um, they get a little uh, raunchy, I think. They, and they go for some of those kinds of jokes. They're doing like a ball tag, you know, game at one point in, in the show that you might not have gotten to yet. And yeah. so they do some of that locker room humor, too, plus the show, you know, of the characters. So the second thing I didn't realize I thought when they announced doing the Kickstarter and it was going to be about episodes that happened before the campaign had kicked off and was on, they were streaming the campaign. So it was kind of stuff or storyline or story beats that happened that we didn't see with these characters before we got to see them on Geek and Sundry, Twitch and YouTube streaming and all that. But from what I could tell, that scene in the beginning is right out of you know the first pretty close to the first episodes that you got to see and the second episode you know second and third kind of lead into fighting somebody that will be very familiar to you pretty quickly and then jumping right into the storyline of Talison's storyline which were the people that took over his family's the briarwoods the briarwoods so they jump right into the briarwoods so that's like deep into what their campaign was so right. was that the impression you had or maybe i just had a misimpression did you know that's yeah. where they were going with the show i had the impression it was going to be a bit more prequel stuff um huh. they're definitely characters that were introduced in the prequel area that are now active characters now and i think maybe they're sort of compressing because i think uh i think we're going to see maybe some things compressed but i could be wrong i don't know but uh yeah um i rem- i was wondering if they were going to show something because from my memory of them talking about what happened before the show at one point keyleth accidentally killed a bunch of kids and i'm like oh are they going to be okay with kid death and then in that first episode uh with the with the building like that that mm-hmm. bummed me out and in a in a like i don't mean in a good way but like in a good i like it when a show makes me feel emotional yeah. in some way and when uh when he got that coin back from that kid when vax did yeah uh, yeah that i'm like okay i'm invested this is good this isn't just raunchy you know poop jokes or whatever it's it's also nice deep yeah, yeah, yeah. i dig it <laughs> yeah so it definitely was a way to i wonder i would love to talk to somebody who's never known anything about critical role but happened right. to be flipping through Amazon and saw, oh, I wonder what this Vox Machina thing is. I like anime or I like, you know, D D shows. Did you feel like it I didn't feel like either like I was immediately in a D D show yet. Mm-hmm. I though I guess by the end of it when the when like you said, the kind of the the big bad thing that they're fighting kind of shows up. Maybe that's the first part you feel like, okay, this is this is grounded in the games we like to play. Well um being a D player and yeah. uh, permanent dm i was just constantly thinking okay he's making a performance check here he's making a persuasion check here <laughs> yeah. oh constitution save uh and attack roll you know like in my head i'm doing all that stuff like you see people freaking out 
when yeah. that thing appeared and all I could think of is fearsome, uh, frightening presence. Yeah. <laughs> I kept, I kept over focusing on the voices picking out which character was doing which voice of the npcs like all the because it was i know matt does a lot of them but i'm pretty sure in the show they have other people doing some of the npcs yeah, so they're doing was, more than just matt doing all of them they released a uh, video about uh, a, a lot of the people who are voice acting um oh, i've forgotten her name but um the i think her name's stephanie something um she's from brooklyn 99 Oh, and yeah. uh, she plays one of my favorite characters, Kima, which is a uh, halfling paladin. Yeah, Lady Kima. And, and I think uh, one of the Dominic, one of the um, what are they called? Hobbits from uh, Lord of the Rings, is uh, one of those new characters that was in the old show, but not uh, sorry, was in the show before it started. Uh, he was like the grizzly. Uh, dwarf guy or something i don't know I oh, yeah. Wrong. yeah so i think but, it's yeah. fun picking out voices that you kind of recognize yeah and then putting them to characters but then still hearing the matt mercer ones too right you know so, mm. and even hearing like remembering maybe that scene or that kind of th there are some scene beats that seem to come right from the tabletop game um, yeah. Maybe not necessarily word for word, but pretty close. Um, mm. They introduce, you know, the council pretty quick. They introduce um, the town they're in. They give us this idea that, you know, they're they're kind of misfits, but they've because by the end of the episode one, which is a very short arc for them to go from we're misfits, but now we're ready to be serious. But I get it. You know, we're, we yeah. they probably at the time didn't know how many shows they were going to have. You can't slow play that. We're just going to be like, you know, get some character growth moving here. And so they go from kind of whimsical and, and, and you know, just running the mill people to, oh, we have a mission now and we're serious about it and we're not going to let this happen. And I kind of like that. My my low-key, um, you know, DM brain was wondering what level they were because yeah. Scanlan was talking about having a purple hand. So they must be level nine if they have, um, oh, what's that spell called? Uh, big b's hand right big b's hand yeah because yeah, he loves it that's his favorite <laughs> that's a signature spell for him and i'm like Ooh, yeah but like if they're if they're level nine surely they aren't just misfits like level nines can do a bunch of stuff that's yeah. like like a, a, when a lot of campaigns end at level 10 that's some pretty, pretty high level characters stuff. already yeah, yeah. <laughs> well they you know they chop off a limb of a guy in one shot and then uh <laughs> You know, they get into a big, and I think they're punching through the chests of people, and they're maiming people, and then just going yeah. crazy. So it's pretty funny, um, the amount of violence that just starts off right off. Um, I think the character designs look great. I think yeah, they match probably. everything that you know you would think from the Critical Role show. Um, I think it's funny how they all are trying to be. Most of those characters were very edgelord characters, except for Grog, who I still love in the whole thing because he's just <laughs> the the big goofy guy. Yeah. And I, I love that, that um, they really played up the Keyleth angle of her being pretty naive. Like, I don't remember yeah. her being that way in the, but I know that's what the character she wanted to portray it as being starting super, super, super naive. And then as the and, campaign and goes on, you know, she kind of grows up, right? And that's her, her her character arc, which I think is cool. And I think in the show, they portrayed that even better than, than it would have been if you'd watched the show. Um, yeah. Who's your favorite um, character now? Like, in the show, when I watched it, mm -hmm. I think my favorite character would have been, like, um, probably Grog or Vex, maybe, you know? Um, 
it's a toss up between uh, Vaxeldan and Trinket because every you got everybody love loves Trinket. Trinket. Yeah, yeah, Trinket's <laughs> the best. Yeah, even in the show, it's like Trinket's the best. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess, I guess, hope that it is Matt who's doing the the sounds of Trinket. Uh, uh, he always loves doing that. Well, what's interesting is three three episodes in, and you by the time you get to the third episode, I'd, I'll be curious once you've watched it to come back and talk to you about it. Maybe it's you know we're just on Discord or something because yeah. by the third episode. I am now really liking Talison's character where I oh, yeah. really disliked his character watching it live played. Okay. But in this, the way they portray it, I think he's gotten more times to, to deliver his dialogue better. Um, mm-hmm. His, his dialogue is more concise to what his character is. And I know that's hard to do. Like I'm not doing, you know, if you watch me play con or you watch me play Vanguard, I am not doing any, masterful performance of an of an actor so i say this with a grain of salt knowing this but i feel like because they've had the prep he can see the animations and he does the voice for it and they can talk about you know this character i'm really like Talison's character third episode yeah. in whereas i wasn't as attached to him through the whole you know critical role campaign i didn't care about his role line i will i wanted right. to know more about grog or more about um you know yeah, some of the that. other characters so i don't know well speaking about knowing about the characters i've been uh, diving into that uh new taldore campaign setting the yeah. reborn one and i went straight to uh each of the because it has a section for vox machina and what they did afterwards and definitely spoilers in there for anyone watching the show like super spoilers but then again the campaign's been finished for years yeah that one's done <laughs> but yeah but um i i particularly enjoyed uh looking at the images and reading about where they finished off but that's a really good if 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 anybody is interested in critical role that is a really nice campaign setting with like i think like eight or nine subclasses Mm -hmm. so did you have the original one i have the original one yes i have the original one somewhere i've been borrowing the uh the Taldori reborn yeah one. i've been hearing the new ones much thicker um you can go see ted he did a nice um comparison of the two where he looks at okay. the table of contents he goes through what's in it the book is definitely double the size of the original um it's kind of like an edited more expanded version of that first one that was done by goblin press and this one's done by their press with Darrington Press. Um, so yeah. it's their own book this time. <laughs> so definitely a strong campaign world. So now you've got, you know, three stream shows. If you want to know anything about that campaign world, you've got at least three books to go to here pretty quickly with the March one dropping also. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to have a Amazon TV show so if yeah. there was a campaign world that you were like, I, I want to go to one that has lots of info. Well, here you go. There's one where you can pick up a lot of stuff. You can learn all the names of stuff. You can learn all the places of stuff and you can run your group through that stuff, exactly. you know, through that too. So very interesting. Um, yeah. Episodes drops on Fridays from here on out, as far as I understand. So now we'll slow play as they go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were, so you were saying you were just picked up that book and were reading. The thing I just picked up, jumping off of Vox Machina and um, Dungeons and Dragons in general for a second, I picked up yeah. the quick starter rules for Homeworld Revelations. Ooh. Have you played the Homeworld games? I have not. Put it on your list. If you see it on a on a 
Steam sale or your Xbox. Uh, I know you've got that the, the cool Xbox play any game you want deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Homeworld is a real-time strategy science fiction game, but now it's a tabletop role-playing game also made by uh, Modifius. And uh, I was reading through the rule set, and it looks really cool. It's um, Which looks nice. It's beautiful, beautiful art, awesome music in the games if you play those. And then this starts you off on a desert planet. You get to start the quick start mission or adventure is you're exploring a derelict wreck. You find something that's like a guide stone. You try to steal it out from some other people that are also trying to, um, uh, I want to say not architect, but um, not architect. when you're digging stuff out of the sand oh yeah archaeologists they're they, they're doing archaeology on it also but you're sneaking in you find a guide stone and the guide stone is the thing that lets brings you back to space in the in the game which is really cool so i was reading the rules it's a 2d20 system that modifius runs um, i like how yeah. they do the skill sets um really interesting classes has ship combat so you can do ship combat in it too um, I even did some on my YouTube channel. I have some episodes of me playing Deserts of Karak Homeworld, which is uh-huh. the one where they put it. So Homeworld started in space. You sure. build a mothership and you build fleets of things to keep you safe while you're being attacked from other motherships. Okay. Three, three or four games into it, they go to Deserts of Karak where you've crash landed on a planet and they put the whole RTS game on a desert planet. So it's almost like play, playing like a Dune game at that point where you're right. you're trying to slowly rebuild your fleet and you're moving along the, the surface of this Dune world. And it's really fun. And you get back up into space and you get back um, doing stuff again. So really cool. I like it. Um, it's a so system. Look yeah. at the rule set. Um, how, what, is it, what does it feel like is the driving thing? Like with D&D, like although there's three pillars, it definitely seems like combat is the driving force and that's the majority of the rule book what does it seem like in uh, this one yeah this is going to be i think this would be good for those types of campaigns where you are the runaway refugees that are being hunted you're trying to slowly explore hide rebuild enough so that you can fight back right and there's a bigger overpowering force that has more than you if they find you they're going to try to destroy you and the whole thing is about you trying to hide long enough explore long enough find things that are going to help you finally stand up against that right and so yeah so i think that's a a very typical kind of sci-fi um story trope i think in that line um i don't know like you're not really out looking for more treasure hunting unless you're thinking about more ships but you're looking for ship salvage you're looking for things to add to your fleet you're looking for resources so you can keep the things going that you have going sure, sure. um and then you're trying to almost like a Battlestar galactica maybe kind of storyline where you're trying to get away from the cylons and you're trying to how do we rebuild enough that we can fight against the cylons because they're more yep. powerful than us you're not a cylon are you Lucian? i am definitely um, I'm a huge Battlestar Galactica <laughs> fan too. I'd love that. So that's the one I was watching. So when you had said, "Oh, I'm, I'm reading this one," I'm like, "Oh, that's funny," because I was just starting to read this one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very cool. I love Modifius's dice system, two d twenty, and then you get successes or failures, and you're rolling out low numbers. So if you're a mm-hmm. d twenty low roller, 
You'll love this system. Because <laughs> there are people right. out there that are just naturally good at rolling high 20s, and there's those of us that are naturally good at rolling low 20s. And uh, so this is a, a low 20 roller. Um, okay. So interesting. I thought it's free. You can get it out at their website. They're going to put out the actual full game in a box set pretty soon. I'm all on board. You know, they're the ones that are doing all the cool stuff out there. I mean, I've got all kinds of Modifius games. I yeah, I've heard, I've heard a bunch about Modifius. I was um, tr- looking into like a couple of months ago the Fallout yeah. game that I think they're doing. Yeah, they do a two D twenty Fallout game too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I was I've been meaning to get into that. Like, I'm trying to figure out because we've I've, I'm sure you've discussed this before with Jordan, but uh, the concept of trying to get people to play non D and D. Yeah, and so like um I've definitely tried in in that aspect like hey, you like Fallout the game, wasn't that fun? Yeah. You want to try a different RPG system? It's like, yeah, but we're, we're nearly level 8. Okay, yeah. sure, we'll keep playing D&D. <laughs> That's fine. I'm down with it. <laughs> I have this new character concept. Aren't we starting a new D&D campaign? Yeah, yeah uh, there's I'm, something I'm about D&D that, that just draws you in. I'm, I'm getting that already because in one of my other games we're getting close to the end and they're doing that thing where they're like i'm already made up a new character for the next game i'm already <laughs> thinking about the next one yeah yeah i have that i have that as my as a player that's my bad habit for sure yeah all right well to round out our news for the day this is gen con weekend for any of you that are going to be going to gen con it should be opening up i believe on sunday but double check that to make sure it wasn't today because <laughs> it should be opening up on Sunday to register for your badges. And then I think eventually you can register for hotels. Me and Jordan have said we're going. I'm going to go ahead and get my badge and everything that I can, even if I cancel later down the road. I don't know. Whatever new variant of COVID could still be out there. We're on Omicron now, so eventually we'll get to Zeta Phi you know, or whatever alphabet they're going to go to with COVID at Man, some point. I just want to, I just want to go to a convention, like any convention yeah. at all one day. I've, I've never PAX, been to one. And, PAX all. Well, I was going to, I was, I had tickets to go to PAX Australia mm-hmm. and, and I caused COVID apparently by right. having the audacity to try and organize something you in the future. think you're going to do that, buddy? <laughs> well, stop doing that because we want to get back to our real lives, Daniel, so stop. Yeah, like when the majority of <clears throat> uh, of a convention comes from overseas, mm-hmm. it's you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, that type of thing is not conducive to having lots of people indoors next to each other all talking about their favorite thing in the world three feet from each other, so... I yeah. Think, yeah, the only convention I've ever been to is when I was like 16 years old and I went to Games Day, which was oh, like a, nice. a Games Games Workshop convention. That was interesting. Even that's yes. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we uh, one thing I want, I know a good talking point for us, because I know when you're on here um, and we talk about Dungeon Master stuff, because you do so much Dungeon Mastering, um, you are running two parties through the same same campaign currently. And I had some questions that you can feel free to expand on as we go through this, because I thought if any other Dungeon Masters were out there thinking about doing something like this, the experience, because now we're pretty far into it. Now it wasn't like it's just at the beginning. Now each group is pretty deep. Um, Can you think of, was there a time, this is the one question I've had that I've been thinking about. Have you had to, when you ran the first group through, did you change something 
to make it better or more fun or more understandable the second time you ran a group through? Was there anything that just stood out to you that said in Dungeon of the Mad Mage, ah, you know, this first time I did it, I didn't yes. like what happened. Go ahead and tell I, us a little bit about that. What was I the mean, example? I think every level has had at least one thing that I've changed. Oh, because okay. That much. My, <laughs> yeah. Well, my biggest complaint about the book, like if, I, if I'm going to start this off with a complaint, would be <laughs> that it it either seems rushed or they were trying to bite off more than they can chew because there yeah, are countless areas where it says stuff that it doesn't give you the full information from. So um, one of the biggest examples that really had me scratching my head was um, in the sixth level, which was uh, the one that had the Duergar trying to find the uh, the crypt of the Dwarven King. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> at one point, a bullet jumped out of the ground. Yeah. And in the book, it explains how all of the pathways are blocked. It doesn't explain why they were blocked. It doesn't explain how they were blocked. And then it almost implies that the statues moved there to block them. I mean, I like, I was just, I, I remember just scratching my head going, what, what's supposed to be happening in this room? Because I am a bad DM where I don't do the best amount of preparation. I try my best. I, I read through everything. But when I'm running a module, I, I as much um, improv as I do read from the book. And then sometimes I make mistakes and I walked into that room not knowing. Another one was the, uh, the, the castle on top of that um, spindle in, yeah. um, in level, I want to say seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to reread that one paragraph like 10 times and it still didn't seem to make sense. And it's almost like they had a full amount of information describing how this castle works and then they broke up the paragraphs and put them in different places. Oh. And unless you read the whole thing and then realize that they talk and put them all together. So when I was describing it to my party, I, I described it like A. Oh, actually, no, it's like B. No, it's like C. No, it's D. And then when I got to you guys, I'm like, it's D. <laughs> so yeah, you guys definitely get yes. the more streamlined version. Um, yeah. I definitely tweak and change things. Sometimes I feel like the encounter, like if I ran the encounter, if I ran the encounters as written, a lot of them would not be challenging even slightly. Um, there's so many times, even now, my my home group has one level fourteen and three level thirteens, mm -hmm. and so they're in they're they're in the deep end, and the amount of times that they come across eight drow, like I'm talking CR one half drow. Yeah, and that's that's the encounter in this room. I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I've got to pump those numbers up to make it more fun. <laughs> and it, it is it is definitely a balancing act. And I'm guilty of overpowering my players uh, a bunch and allowing things that probably shouldn't be allowed. So I usually make my players stronger anyway. So I have to make the encounters a bit more difficult or interesting. Mm -hmm. But to fight the monotony of because that's something that uh, I've heard a lot about Mad Mage, where you go into this room and you go into that room. It is a it is a dungeon crawl, and some players love that. Other players find it a bit daunting and a bit too much. Mm -hmm. And every now and then, I try to throw in some uh, some other encounters or make things more interesting or fun. But I've definitely been using uh, MCDM uh, with his. Uh, Oh, what's it called? Yeah, Matt Colville. Yeah. Yeah, with the uh how he gives like 
creatures bonus actions or uh, whatnot. What was yeah. Called? And I can't remember what the thing was called. Someone will say it in chat. I'm sure. Um, I'm regularly doing that, like giving a theme. So like, uh, if you remember that area recently, um, where you guys fought, uh, those Yugoloths that seem to have, um, a, an anger against, uh, spellcasters. Right. Um, I, I did that to make the fight more interesting because you fought these guys before and I'm like, mm-hmm. they're, they're <laughs> near the end. I will give them the mage slayer trait and have one of them just really want to target a specific spellcaster each turn with a random mechanic. And I could tell by the way you guys were playing, you're like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, they can attack us after we cast a spell as a reaction. Like mm-hmm. it, it really changed up the combat and spiced it up a bit. And I felt like it made it more interesting, more fun, more tactical without overpowering it. And I just feel like I'm constantly doing that, especially after playing with my home group, like my test group, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's been situations where you guys the thing I find most interesting is you guys seem to, uh, action oriented monsters. Someone said in chat, Mm -hmm. um, I find that like the amount of times that you guys get stuck or breeze through different areas. And I genuinely love it. Like (laughs) there's, there's times where my home group could not over overcome this encounter. And then you guys like did it in a quarter of a session and then continued walking and uh they're obsessed with the gates and you guys don't really bother too much with the gates and i totally get that that's (laughs) Mm -hmm. fine um uh and then most recently with that encounter with the uh skull that was throwing you up and down uh they got they got lucky and uh managed to get through that very quickly and it seemed to hold up you guys nearly killed Uh, us (laughs) oh yeah nearly killed a few of you (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah it's um it's it's it is very interesting i do love playing uh for two different uh groups every now and then there's there's, it doesn't happen often i'm pretty good with remembering things that players do but every now and then you get a problem where oh did this happen in that game or this game (laughs) (laughs) right keep it up straight depending on how far apart you're playing them that's a yeah i I like that idea it probably helps on prep too because if you've done the prep for the first game you play through it with a party you probably don't need as much prep when our party comes through that same area maybe a little bit but not not nearly as much as if you were just making your own campaign up on the fly at that point. So I think one, from a prep one, standpoint, it could be pretty good too. One of the biggest things would be just uh, modifying Roll20 because I play both games on yeah. Roll20 and the amount of times where you can see through a secret wall and like they didn't do the mm-hmm. uh, they didn't do the dynamic lighting perfectly or a creature that I feel like you shouldn't be able to see isn't on the GM layer, it's on the token layer. Yeah, And it was like, like you've caught me out on a couple of those with your really long uh, sight there, Khan. <laughs> yeah. But um, I'm usually pretty good at before our session starts. Okay, quickly check that everything's on the right layer because like <laughs> that 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 fight where the um, I've forgotten the name of it now where that land shark jumps out of the ground. Bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Where that uh, jumps out of the ground and attacks you guys where it's supposed to be underground on the map. It's just there, not on the GM layer. Oh, and so you got people walk in and would have seen it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've when I have been, I have been caught like that at home. And so when that happens, they're like, "Oh, we see those guys." I'm like, "Yeah," and they're angry. <laughs> how did the how did the second group, the first group, we'll call them first group, or second group? Sure. How'd they handle the Hallister School level, which was just before we got to this one we're on now, but. 
It's probably um, been a I've, couple of sessions for them since that. Well, remember that Bone Devil you guys killed uh, for the school? Yeah. They teamed up with it. Oh, so they, yeah, so that's, that's the other cool thing I was thinking about that could happen, and I'm sure happens a lot, is that who we pick to ally with or who we pick to help has probably been pretty different between the two groups. Like if you went back, because we, on my group, randomly picks weird <laughs> people to help, and there is no rhyme yeah. or you couldn't possibly guess who or what we're going to help, you know, at any given. Nobody was going to guess I was going to resurrect the two, the two, the two yeah. twins, you know, nobody was going to guess we we're going to have a nice sit down at the, at the bar with the drow <laughs> and yet kill everything else that moved or had yeah, a shadow, so. you know, or whatever. Well, uh, they, end, uh, if you, I'm not sure if you remember, but, uh, Ward walked through the illusory wall first and mm -hmm. started attacking the bone devil when the bone devil was like, I can offer you a deal or whatever. Yeah. yeah it just went right out. And, and so it was just charged at him. Well, with uh, my group, they were like, go on. <laughs> and it turns out uh, one of the, the the character that you guys um, called Elvira, mm -hmm. um, he was summoned by, uh, that bone devil was summoned by um, one of the wizards that were dead before you got there to kill her. And so oh. if you assisted in killing her, then... Um, then he would be in your debt and would owe them something, right? And it was a very interesting session because <laughs> they had to get out of there because the the headmaster wasn't just outside the room, <laughs> and so they they uh, one player just one player grabbed the bone devil and dimension doored out of there, and then they they did dust of disappearance on the two of them, <laughs> and so I had uh, I had another player run the bone devil. And then the two of them went through trying to find Scriana. They had no idea where she was. And they opened some doors that they shouldn't have. <laughs> um, and that like they got really lucky with some rolls and some saves. And then they ended up uh, with, with just the Bone Devil and uh, that player ended up taking out Scriana because they got the jump on her. And when you're only fighting one wizard, it's a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> Um, and then they made a deal with, uh, with the devil, which was hilarious for me. And do you know what I mean when you play on how, you know, your characters, uh, how you know oh, your God, players yeah. will react? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was my <laughs> wife's character that was making the deal oh. and I was talking quick and acting fast. And so the bone devil was like, uh, okay, so I'll just, uh, I'll just summon in my, uh, this person. So, so, uh, we can get it all sorted out. And they, they were like, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to sign anything. We're not going to, we're not going to do anything. We're not going <laughs> to do anything bad. And then I had, uh, a i did like a delivery man um imp uh mm -hmm. he came in and he was like okay so here's the chest uh everything is in order uh if you could just uh, sign here please for clutch of the chest <laughs> and she signed and i was like i was fast talking and then yeah, yeah, yeah. i saw my other players just go oh no <laughs> as she signed yep. and um and then i said all right he takes the folded paper away she he signed at the bottom of a folded sheet of paper mm -hmm. and you know that's just a a cool story arc thing and that has if anything like again like i said before it's been more good than bad <laughs> i've uh she's slowly getting corrupted and it's a good story <laughs> arc but like it, it's that whole oh no what have i done and having my players stress out yeah, that was one of my one of my favorite scenes that I got to DM 
was convincing one of our players to make a deal with the devil to bring back his paladin friend from Revenor. So when when Sasha's character decides to sign the deal with the devil and then they get back baby paladin instead of regular paladin because they didn't that. <laughs> that was so good because i always loved the idea of the 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 demons and devils deals and what you can do with those yeah. especially the devils for sure and i saw some yeah. talk there was some a bunch of talk about devils on um uh the discord earlier today too and so that'd be mm-hmm. good so well that's super cool that there there are differences you're never bored that you know the same thing is happening the same you know your players are doing the same thing it's funny to see that players do different things um, and we're are they as completionist as we are? Do, are they Ack Inc. also? Have you roped they them are, in? They are not Ack Inc. But oh. um, if you uh, ever played uh, Diablo with my wife, which you did once, I think, <laughs> yeah. um, she's the kind of person that needs to look in every nook and cranny. So like, you didn't have not, to give a reason. Got it. No, I did not. They uh, they want to look everywhere. They want to get everything, and then. I'm I'm a bad person. I always go, okay, you finished that level. You're done, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay. You missed three secret doors, but don't worry about it. <laughs> and and uh, it, it, it destroys her soul. But I love it. Um, so one of the other funny points, and we'll, we'll kind of jump around. I had some more cool questions for you. Um, there was a lot of trash talking going on in the last few episodes, it seems. The two teams are uh, up in arms about which team is better so i don't know is this thing going to happen is there going to be like a pvp fight between the two teams oh this was a question i actually really wanted to know oh, yeah. are we in the same timeline or does it not work because the way you have named bad guys that we have to fight also and they've already fought or is are we in your world in the same timeline okay so in my head canon yeah it is the same timeline, but I treat it more like Undermountain is like an instance in World of Warcraft. Uh, okay. So you guys are going into parallel universes when you're in Undermountain, but I like to believe you guys are in... All the characters the exist. Like when we go to back to Waterdeep, we're all back in Waterdeep or whatever. But, yeah, uh... to, the, to the point where every now and then, I, you guys don't know it, but my home group does... I throw in a character in the background or what have you, like, especially when you're in Dragon Heist more, because you yeah. had more interaction with, uh, with, uh, Waterdeep there. Yeah. Um, but speaking on the potential possible PVP, um, yeah, I, I know there's some people that are really arguing for it because those who don't know my home players last session just started <laughs> trash talking in yeah. the, in the chat. Yeah. Uh, while we were playing with Lucian and friends, and <laughs> there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of trash talking that you guys didn't see oh. at home. Oh, I'm like, sure. Oh, how is he? Uh, they were talking about hitting me, but he can't even hit with advantage. What's That's going true. on? That is true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've I've walked in on my players um, talking uh, tactics. Okay, so. We'll 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 stun the wizard. We will. Uh, I'll use synaptic static on yeah. the guys that have low intelligence. We'll knock the and they have an unfair advantage. They're higher level and they know your characters. You guys don't know these guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the funny thing too: is there's been nothing but talk about how to defeat their team since the game on Tuesday. And if you think they talk a lot. You don't know how Sasha and Logan in this, this group. Oh, yeah. We have been strategizing for 
at least six days. So they are they are definitely ready uh, for this big showdown. So it, I think it'd be fun at some point. Um, it'd be very about funny. The, I'm curious <laughs> about the balance of it because you guys are what um, two levels below them, although one of them is uh, uh three of them are level 14 one of the sorry yeah. three of them are level 13 one's level 14 because um a curious event where i'm like you know what i'll let them draw a random card that's right from, from the deck yeah yeah from the deck of many things and uh they ended up drawing the one where you got to kill a thing and i said it has to be the next creature that is of at least this CR. I, mm. I, I kind of modified. I didn't want them leveling up from a goblin. And uh, they succeeded, and uh, only just, but it was probably useful that it was the monk who could lock down the creature pretty mm. nicely. But it is their group's an interesting group, too, because you're right. We don't know a lot about them. But from what I have heard and from the mm -hmm. intel that I've been getting, <laughs> yeah, there has been a... I, I, they have a monk, which you just mentioned. I feel like they you've mentioned they've had a warlock. Mm -hmm. they must have a cleric yep and a rogue oh a rogue they don't even have a fighter nope Ooh. so they have two melee two sort of casters one here well mm. the rogue is not a melee rogue the rogue is a <laughs> uh it's oh is he an archer rogue i uh, know cool throwing too. psychic blades oh that's right yeah somebody had said that somebody had said he's yeah. a psi blade rogue yep yeah, the uh, soul knife. Soul um, knife. The the cleric is a tempest cleric, and that is the real front line. That like that's the that's the tempest. one that may put uh, Sinan's defenses to shame a little bit because. Um, but but what about Ward? <laughs> yeah, the, the, <laughs> that's the thing. Is what, what, is, what is interesting? Um, I, I'm pretty confident their plan is to attack your intelligence. Okay, good. The warlock loves casting synaptic static, which. Yeah minus the d6 of everything if you fail the save and unless you have a positive save his dc's 20 so oh, if you nice. don't have a positive save you cannot pass it's to the point where uh dealing with them they cast synaptic static on a bad guy i'm like okay he has a minus two so i'm not gonna roll and i'm not gonna roll at the end of each of his turns because he <laughs> cannot pass he will have a minus d6 for all attacks and ability checks for the rest of this game <laughs> interesting very interesting um, but the the scariest thing is the uh monk the monk is scary it's the astral self monk and well stunning strike is scary to any because once once you take away what a character could normally do in a turn yeah that's tough that's definitely tough i don't think our our team would have any trouble with them but uh <laughs> it just depends on who can go first because like, we're talking on our team you're talking about a fighter barbarian warforged that's out of control at this point yep. i mean the power you've allowed him to acquire is is game breaking at this point Sinan, who's a crazy just a crazy minded cleric the wizard who has crazy stuff the artificer who has crazy stuff and then yeah the arcane archer you if you focus on me which is good you're leaving those other guys alone if you yeah. don't focus me i'll punish you like <laughs> in that like like just from the funny thing that they said like oh he can't even hit but in the first round i did hit i did 66 points of damage yeah in one round and it was it just should, like it's crazy it would be interesting I, I i'm curious as to like like i was saying before they're like uh, two to three levels higher than you but they have one less player yeah so i wonder if that's balanced or not because 
Dean the action economy. For, it's not designed for PvP, but yeah, you guys will have one extra thing, so I don't know. But oh, something that they have been doing. They well, they, been no, doing. they have a shield guardian, though, don't they? No, no, I've killed that. I, oh, I, you finally I, took it away. I, that was okay. <laughs> I killed. I killed that. That was get this out. <laughs> <laughs> like the amount of encounters where, like I said, it broke imagine, it. Yeah. Imagine Sinan being up front, having plus two AC when this thing is next to him, and broken, only taking half damage from everything, and yeah. then the thing that is taking the other half of damage gets ten hit points a turn. Yeah. Uh, that that is just no. I like. I let them have it as long as they as long as they could keep it alive, and they did some nifty things keeping it alive. But when I took that down, it was gone. <laughs> <laughs> but what they've been yeah. doing is uh, summoning creatures and planar binding them, and that's an oh. expensive task, but it's a good money sink. Interesting. Very uh, interesting. So they have a uh, Tanarook that they uh, have been giving extra armor and uh, better weapons to. And Tanarooks are kind of fun. So they do bolster all their party, even if it's not player. They they bolstered their party. We did it with Bob, and we did it yep. we did it in Tomb Tomb of Annihilation, where we had the uh, I forget the the mercenary guy that we just picked up and had with us. Yeah, and, I, and chicken I like them. Yeah, I like it when uh, I definitely like and allow it when my players try to use you know persuasive talking to encourage someone else to, to be join on their yeah team. and we're t constantly having people join our dark go work I in mean, our tavern or go work your, your tavern our... your tavern has to be the size of Waterdeep by the end of this campaign <laughs> yeah. i'm sure come That's visit awesome. Waterdeep, aka the good night in <laughs> <laughs> so if I you guys ever want to know what we're talking about it's on the tuesday nights you can see that now you're not streaming your home game right no oh I see that's that's a disadvantage. Yeah. How come we can't see what they're doing and how they play? <laughs> yeah, I generally speaking run three games a week: two Mad Mages and one Curse oh. of Strahd. Oh, that's right. You were doing a Curse of Strahd. So my next big question: We've got just a few minutes to go. Um, we're not really close to Dungeon of the Mad Mage being over for my team. Their team's probably getting a little bit closer to maybe. Uh, yeah, game. they they just started uh, level fourteen. Yeah. I will say level 13 was quick. That was three sessions. Yeah. Definitely the quickest level that they've cleared. Um, so I have no idea how quick the other ones are. I've only perused uh, 15 through 23. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I, I'm intrigued as to how it'll all shake out. Um, but yeah, they're, they're past halfway. They're, um, definitely if you consider Dragon Heist as being part of it. But it is a long haul, and I'm low-key considering taking out some parts for like i have done it here and there for you guys the less entertaining more sloggy parts yeah i'm trying to speed things up a bit because i would like you guys to you know get through it quicker not you know not trying to jump a anywhere or anything but yeah you know in in increase the engagement levels and uh you know not trying to finish this game before 2030 <laughs> right well and i was wondering if like let's say hypothetically both campaigns were ending next week we've finally gotten through them where are you leaning towards what you want to do after these are you leaning towards i'm burned out on D D and i'm looking at other systems are you or are you looking at i have this other campaign that i want to run or are you still looking at some of the books that they're putting out because we've done all wizards of the coast stuff is there more Wizards of the Coast stuff you want to do? Or is there, you want to do a homebrew world at some point? Or what do you think? Well, What's your next? 
something that you've discussed before on this show that I am definitely uh, in line with is that whole, remember you were talking about the badges and mm-hmm. like, I've defeated Mad Men. Oh, you did too? Remember this bit? <laughs> I love that whole discussion about, oh, how did you guys deal with that? Oh, yeah. wasn't this bit crazy? And yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I, I agree with that. I like the whole... I, I'm I'm a big fan of of homebrew campaigns. A big fan of like you've made up everything or mm-hmm. even third party. But there is that level of more people have played Ice Spire or more people have played uh, Baldur's Gate sent into Avernus and more mm-hmm. people have played this or that than those third party ones. And I just I feel more pulled into <clears throat> the the concept of those games. I, I think the next one I, I want to run, assuming I run anything is, uh, descent into Avernus. Uh, I've heard some negative things about it, but I do, I've been reading it a bunch and I do have a spin that I want to take on it. And I do like the concept of diving into hell. And I know, Mm. I just know in my heart that my players will love riding on vehicles around <laughs> War machines, yeah yeah do, getting their mad max on <laughs> um i would i i would have the boulders gate startup part and i will be tweaking it heavily i already know what i'm gonna do how to fix those least, parts yeah 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 um but i'm very that i think that one or the uh the crap what was it called icewind dale one yeah, uh, okay though that those those two are the ones i want to play most i would be curious to see you run storm king's thunder that is one that i might be running with uh with my um oh crap what's it called with my stride group there was talk about that when we were picking stride there was talk about maybe storm king's thunder but you gotta stream it so i can watch it because it's one i've dm'd it's one i think i want to go back and dm now a second time that I've DM'd it and I've DM more than one group in it right before. And I think now that I know more about it, more I dove into it, the next time I do it, it'll be better. And the next time I play it, it'll be better. And the next time I play it, it'll be better. I'd love to see somebody else run it too. That'd be a good one. So, okay. So we're still not going to get a Danimal DM custom campaign world yet. He's still I mean, stuck into the Wizards of the Coast worlds for now. The, the closest that I did was my homebrew campaign in Theros. And I really dug that. That was fun. But I I will be the first to admit, and I said before, I am a lazy DM. I really <laughs> am. I try to not be. I try to be proactive. And then video games start talking to me and audiobooks start talking to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, I'm telling I'll, you, I'll Revenar later. Revenar was so later. fun. Yeah, you gotta try it. Was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta make up your own little port well, city. <laughs> speaking of Revenar, so wandering disciple in the chat. I remember. Hey, that wandering game. disciple. Nice, <laughs> very cool. Well, all right. So Jordan doesn't normally let us go late. Um, so those are the three games you're playing. Um, yep. I'm playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage. I'm getting a super, super big itch to run and DM again. I'm finally over the hump of work. Really taking a lot out of me. Um, and I'm thinking I got to pick a night. So I got to maybe pick a night and get some players. Maybe I pick some players from the show. Maybe I pick some players from the Revenar group. Maybe I pick some, I don't know, whoever's out there. I'll find out. Because um, mm-hmm. I really want to start playing again or running some stuff. Got a lot hey, of if ideas. You, if you want to play to give you grief, I'm right here. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we've done some good story arcs already. In the limited amount of time me and you have played, I thought we've had some good stories with the characters you've created already. 
Um, I loved your, um, yeah, Drubrin was a great character really. And his storyline was really fun to kind of, to start. And we didn't even, I mean, what was it? Maybe four, three or four sessions total. Maybe, maybe more. Oh, with Drubrin? Uh, I think a bit more than that, but, um, I think, I think he, I think he did like a good six or seven, uh, Revenar. And then I did a, a one, a one-off with yeah. the main group. Yeah, but I loved his story, where his storyline was going and what we did. I, I, you are a good player because you do like to play into the, you know how to give the DM hooks. You know how to give the DM story beats to play off of. So it, it allows the DM to be able to, you know, do some cool things with the character. So that's pretty cool. And I, you know, I like playing in your games. We, uh, I think the con storyline is really cool. Yeah, it's been really fun to play. Uh, Vanguard was a cool storyline to play so far. So, And even my death characters, even the ones that have died or have moved on, they're really cool, iconic characters. So I've got to make some really fun stuff. So, Before we go, yeah. i got to say, I guess keep thinking about, about Khan the Aarakocra anytime I see anything about Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm super excited yeah. about Moon Knight. I had no knowledge of Moon Knight or Khonshu before you... Right. Then <laughs> now it's coming. I can't yeah, wait yeah. so much. I just well, I was just watching a Peacemaker on HBO. We watched an episode. He has a pet bald eagle. So the minute oh, it was online, and and it does stuff like it hugs him and it ta- it sure, does sure. stuff for him. I'm like, come on. <laughs> is, like, is that is that show comical like uh, the Suicide Squad was? Yes, exactly okay. like Suicide Squad. Not All kid. Right. Not kid friendly oh i'm sure exact same scene you would have gotten in vox machina but in full-blown <laughs> john cena-ness <laughs> uh, yeah i was i was i saw some uh I, I had no idea it came out and then i'm like turns out i'm way episodes behind i, yeah. I had no knowledge of it so i'm gonna have to we're catching up man so. i have so much to catch up on that the witcher um, and then all the computer games we're playing, so you got to have time yeah. for all that. <laughs> got to play more Rainbow Six Extraction. <laughs> that was the other question. We'll go, we'll go a little lower. Um, oh, no. You're going over. I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool to run a session or two that was basically a Rainbow Extraction mission, the way we've been playing them, but it's D&D? I have thought the exact same How could thing. I convert this cool thing, cool map cool entities like, that are doing their things but i want my D group to try to go through it i'm sending my i'm sending my drone in to scan the room all right perception check yeah <laughs> i yeah. was thinking wow it's a lot like a familiar <laughs> and and uh oh this mission you've got to do this and yeah and well you just start uh, here's a nest here's a nest here's a guy yeah. walking here's this guy walking and if you trigger one they just start swarming from all over the place and you have the nest that just drop more out if you don't take care yeah, of them I, I was i was plus you have missions thinking, i was definitely thinking in a almost XCOM way yeah because that's the closest example i have in my head of a mm-hmm. square turn-based yeah system but yeah no i i've, I've had this i think that'd be pretty fun that'd be a cool <laughs> dungeons and dragons option to run some missions where like because the mission variety is go and rescue a operative like somebody who went in and fell. So you're going to bring them back out. One of them is, you know, gather information on the nest. So we get more info. Um, One of them is get an asset, somebody who's still alive in there has been hiding, but you're going to try to bring them out. Mm -hmm. One of them is disrupt a certain variant of a nest. Yeah. Aberration. Yeah. Yep. So you got to do the aberration one. (laughs) Um, 
One of them is to triangulate something also. Yeah, you got to get to the three computers. Yeah, because you're going to triangulate. So more information. So you could do a couple of information it's, gathering it's ones, a couple of escort yeah. ones. I think that'd be pretty fun. And the thing the thing that I like most is, and I've talked about this with uh, some of the other people I've played with, the concept of, you know, when one of them sees you and does a roar and activates yeah. everyone. I would like, oh, could I just get a perception check from everyone? <laughs> All right, you two <laughs> notice that he has clocked you. You each get one turn, one turn against it, and if yeah. they don't take it out on that turn, yeah, yeah, it calls everything. Yeah. yeah, and I just I love that concept to the point where I'm thinking about doing the inverse, where doing that in D and D, where I just have like one guy, like a sentry, because that that does happen sometimes in D and D, where you have like a sentry where mm-hmm. if he can activate the bell or whatever, it triggers people. Mm-hmm. But I like it more with the concept of like monsters and creatures where if one guy sees you and you you could have like a turn to react and I, yeah and I, one I person one turn you get one shot you know yeah, yeah. but i don't think that works as well in higher D, like in low Probably level D, yeah. where you can drop a creature like a goblin in one shot yeah. yeah that that could work but when it's like he's got 70 hit points Good luck taking him out in one turn. One turn, yeah, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to anyway. do some like special crit, special headshot, special called shot. You get one chance. It almost have to be like a mini game, yeah, of its own to see if you could do it. And then if you didn't, you go back to normal rules, right, or or whatever. You'd yeah, have to yeah. almost have like special rules for coup de gras rules or something like that for, <laughs> for that. So. Very interesting. Yes, so we're playing lots of video games together too. So, all right, well, we'll wrap it up here. This has been the Saturday morning D&D show. This has been with Danimal DM, the Dungeon Master from Down Under. He likes to say the Digital Dungeon Master from Down Uh, Under, I believe. Here you go. Do do your intro on the outro. (laughs) G'day. I've been Danimal DM, your diligent digital Down Under Dungeon Master. And you can catch me playing Dungeon of the Mad Mage on my Twitch. But... (laughs) It's fine if you don't. If you don't, but you should, because <laughs> you can find Khan and them. And I really encourage you. You should get your other games up, so because I think they'd be fun to watch too. Yeah, a couple of cameras in the house, no big deal. <laughs> they they would they like the concept, but they don't like the regularity. They they want to be able to guess not have to worry about what they look like. Oh, that's true. Yeah, the schedule of a Twitch show is definitely a little bit more on. Um, on people that want to be able to do it. But when you're did when you're virtual anyways, that makes it probably a little more easier than you yeah. play at your table quite a bit, so I assume. Oh uh, yeah, when we when we can we play at the table. Yeah, because you've got all, all the, the cool miniatures I, and you've got, got the I got, I got this guy that you guys yeah. are currently fighting. Go watch Ooh. that the last episode. Oh, somebody asked me this and I meant to ask you, are you archiving the episodes so they can go back and they can watch the old episodes? So if you remember, I have said it once or twice that I'm a lazy DM. I have been archiving them on my Twitch. I try to okay. save them. I have I have missed a couple. I've let a few expire. Uh, okay, I did that and, online, yeah. And the goal <laughs> is to transfer them all over to a YouTube channel. And I've gotten most of, if not all of, um, uh, Dragon Heist. And I have all of Tomb transferred over. 
and we're like 60 something episodes into mad mage and i don't think i have any of those transferred over because you need an assistant. lazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i hear you i do that with mine too so okay let's wrap it up thank you guys All for right. showing up on saturday morning make sure you check your gen con on sunday uh or we will see Australia, you sunday morning sunday morning or monday morning for them maybe yeah uh we'll see you in the next one and jordan should be back i don't think you said so everybody bye 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 thanks for having me bye